0: From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company.
1: It is Cofield and Company, Hillary's Homies Edition. Adam Hill Willard Mayor is in for Steve Cofield on this Wednesday. Big show ahead. Danny Webster will be in, in the sun to talk about the Golden Knights. Michael Naft, Clark County Commissioner. Not my commissioner. I'm about 100 feet out of his district, I think. Very close. Very close, but not quite. Not that you're a political guy. No. I don't think many people know what district they're in. I actually know what the boundaries of my district are. I'm very, very close uh, to his district, but obviously a lot to talk about with what is going on with the A's, who I think right now are still in the same spot they were yesterday. I'm sure that'll change as the show goes along. Uh, will, just, will they
2: if if they stay there? Will they be called the Paradise A's because they're not couldn't, technically not in the city of Las Vegas? Guessing
1: that, well, neither neither the Knights neither or the Raiders. Knights
2: or the Raiders. They, Clark County should <laughs> be pissed.
1: Should be. Well, uh, maybe, we'll ask the commissioner. Maybe that's what Michael Naft wants to get to. <laughs> uh, Justin Watkins, of course, in for most of the four o'clock hour when we are simulcast up in Reno, and uh, he'll have a lot to get into. Man, we have so many topics for him to try to weigh in on. Uh, Eddie Johnson breakdown to NBA former son calls the games does some studio work on Sirius XM as well what is going on with the Phoenix Suns at least their owner didn't get any fights last night that's a good sign uh, but that and so much more on the program today Willie how are you today
2: I'm good it was leg day okay that's about that's about the extent of this morning outside of a I was about to swear.
1: I, I okay. <laughs> an S ton of uh, okay.
2: sports betting writing this morning and budget writing for the weekend for the Sporting Tribune. Sort of planning things out with the Golden Knights coming back, the schedule being released tomorrow. Um, we'll try to squeeze that in before a major dinner event, and then uh, the Aces on Saturday. So yeah, just sort of and the game tonight. I mean, we'll get off the air. We got to both of us have to cover that remotely. So yeah,
1: I will. Uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. I will uh I will remind you yesterday I showed you a workout that one of my friends had posted. Uh I will tell you. You didn't show me. I did. You said it was ridiculous, very impressive. I don't remember. What are you doing on What what's going on? I don't remember it was after the show. It wasn't a full workout. It was a feat.
2: Oh that thing <laughs> Look at that, that was a, well you said workout. That's one whole that's just one that was brutal. That's intense. Yeah. Whew.
1: I will I will follow up on that. Um I don't wanna I don't want to give away who it is, but I'll a friend a friend of mine, you know, has been in the league for a while, not on the Raiders. Uh we've talked we <laughs> loosely, brought up the other day loosely about him in the past, but um, well, not to say his name, but he po- I, I think he's probably hes probably going to retire. I don't think he's going to play next year, but he's played for the last 11 seasons. So he'll um, be able to
2: hang out with you again because you're a sportsman. It's
1: true. We, we're okay. going to be able to be friends. Yeah. Uh, he posted an athletic feat yesterday on Instagram, and you, even you, who are in the gym all the time, were like, wow, that's impressive. Oh, my gosh. And I will tell you that many, many people have sent him videos of them trying to do it over the last 24 <laughs> hours. One pulled it off. Oh I really? I think it was another NFL player. Okay, I was going to say cuz like there are
2: people that do that. There are people that do what he did minus the mouth grab. I've seen that like but they're they are full-blown athletes. There I've seen like wrestlers. I've seen uh I've seen female wrestling. A lot of wrestlers do that. Um
1: you're better with the terms than me, but he was basically he was in like a handstand. Yeah. And like pressed his face down to the floor, picked up a towel with his mouth. Yeah. And then stood back, like pressed back up, yeah, with and it still. It. Yeah, there's no really
2: it. no word for that. I mean, he was basically doing handstand push-ups, but with the handstand push-ups, he was grabbing something with his mouth, a towel, and then letting it go, and then doing it again. Yeah. So handstand push-ups are one thing, and I, which I can't even do a handstand, but for those who do handstands, that's the next step, and then and it, it takes a lot of forget about just arms and shoulders, but your core strength, your balance. He's grabbing something with his
1: mouth and then letting <laughs> it go. It was wild, and I I said that only because you were like oh, I was leg day. I was like, well, for me, <laughs> yeah, leg day is, is it uh, for for that guy. It was it, that's a wild, <laughs> wild feat that I saw. And then so just be about an hour before the show, I was watching. Uh, he had posted a bunch of people that were trying to do it and send it to him, and I was like, okay, that's uh, that's pretty wild. I but have to go check out the IG. Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, but a lot to get into today. We start with some of the NFL schedule being released. Only a couple of games. I have. A bit of a gripe with oh a lot of people, not with the NFL. Um, you're included, but you're not as bad as some of the others that I was referencing. I think you were just hopeful. Okay. Um, the Raiders do not get an international game. They don't get the the one that they were looking at, because I saw a lot of people saying, oh, they had five chances. They didn't. They had one chance. It was the Bills game that was in London. That was the only game they could have had, and there was about a 33% chance. Only I think only three teams really would be considered in that spot, and it ends up not being... Uh, the Raiders, so they will not go internationally. That one will be the Jaguars going for two straight weeks. Um, that gets into one of my gripes that I have with some people, uh, but for the most part, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, couple of couple of noteworthy games. We we hear that the uh, Bengals and Chiefs will play later in the year, New Year's Eve in a primetime spot. That's obviously a game that will be very highlighted. A uh, couple of games here and there just trickling out, but nothing for the Raiders. Just yet, we'll learn that five o'clock tomorrow during the show. So make sure you stay tuned here uh, to learn the games in real time. We know the opponents, we just don't know the order or when those games will be played. Uh, my first gripe is with people who are upset about the Jaguars playing back-to-back games in London. Uh, not to call them out, but I will because we just heard it leading into the show. They're ranting, and you, you heard you you were in here, and I'm sitting here getting angry. Why would they do this to the Jaguars? They're an up and coming team. Why would they do this? This is unfair. What are they doing? This is a team people actually want to see now. They they asked for this. Yes. They requested this from the league. They wanted this. They're testing the market. The league wants to test the market, the Jaguars want to test the market, and also the league wants to test, hey, what's it like for a team that might have to play there more regularly in the future? Because they're talking about having a team in London or several teams in London, and you play two games and fly back here, then play two games over there. How does that work on the body? Like, They're trying this, and the Jaguars volunteered for it. They wanted it. So stop complaining about that. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, The other gripe that I had, and I know you, again, you were bringing this up, others, I'm not going to... I know there's people in in the family of broadcasting here at Lotus uh, who have done it, but also people around the country uh, and mostly people associated with the Raiders and Raiders fans were outraged that the Raiders aren't playing on Black Friday. I know you had proposed, hey, Ra- Rodgers right, against I, the Raiders. Once they
2: announced it, I didn't oppose
1: it. No, no, but I'm saying, oh, leading up to it, you're like, oh, hey, this should happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people said, well, obviously it's the Raiders. Why wouldn't it be the Raiders? I'm... I'll try to be nice about this. We realize that the Raiders this season in particular are not a marquee team, right? Right. We do understand that. They are projected to be one of the worst teams in the league. Not one of the best. Not one of the marquee teams. And I understand it's Black Friday, so black hole. Right. (laughs) Okay. That was my whole thing. Amazon does not care about (laughs) that. Jeff Bezos does not care about that. Well, marketing, but obviously not. Yeah, but they're not about the home team either. Like they're just about marketing. Who literally their marketing is who's watching, how many people are watching, and yes, it it does end up <laughs> being Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers makes sense to be in that game. They could have done Raiders at or excuse me Jets at Raiders, but like the the some of the people that are outraged of how can they do Black Friday without first of all. The color black has very little to do with Black Friday, anyway. <laughs> it's uh, just a the name. the
2: the choice that they made obviously is is due to a division rivalry. But as far as name brand, well, it's, it's
1: also it's also two, the two teams I would say projected to be first in the NFC East with the Bills taking a step back.
2: Well, that's what I'm saying. D- yeah. d- division, yeah. division rivalry. Um, the the Raiders still have. Some sort of marketing and brand appeal sure. in terms of like who they their history. I mean, obviously their fan base, so on and so forth. So, um, but yes, I was completely sold. I was completely selling the the whole catchy black color black angle. You know, Black Friday, black hole. But yeah, once it got announced, I just was like, okay, they're not playing international. They're not playing any of the holidays. Fine. And you know what? That right there is. You, you just said it, but there's your answer why. If anybody that's outraged and wondering, the fact that a, a household name that win or lose, winning season, losing season, the things that this franchise has gone through, let's not forget that we're two seasons away from two major, major scandals. Well, one scandal and then another one, a, a, a complete, you know, just a tragedy. Which we're actually going to talk about later on, Ript and Um, So yeah, it's they did they opted not to use the Raiders on any of the holiday games or the international games. They don't need them
1: in yeah. their in their eyes, and so. they'll get some prime time spots. Mostly, I mean, look, Vegas is a marquee market. They want to showcase the stadium. They still the Raiders still do have a huge fan base for sure. So they're going to be on and. Let's not forget the obvious part, is that the broadcast networks want to be in Las Vegas. It's a reward for them, for just for the same reason that you know we as people who cover the team get excited when they have road games against New Orleans or Miami as they do this year or Nashville. Like Those are fun places to go, so that's exciting. The networks want to be there too, and so the networks want to be in Vegas, so they will have their fair share of primetime availabilities this year when we see the schedule tomorrow, but... These marquee games, like the Amazon getting their choice of what the Amazon Amazon getting their choice of what they want for a Black Friday game, I didn't think they were going to take the Raiders, so they don't. And we've seen a couple games released. We'll see more and we've more. We've yet to really
2: say who. Did we say who it was? It's the Dolphins. and Yeah, the Dolphins and Jets. Jets. We said yeah. it. The, okay. the top two teams in the NFC right. East. That, yeah. was,
1: that was my little subtle shot at the Bills too. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, top two teams well, in the FC no East. Well, there's no subtle. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, I, I still I, think I, they're favored. Uh,
2: now with the breakup out there in public. I don't yeah. know, man. I'm 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 I, I
1: the the alleged baby?
2: I wish the and that too. Oh, I said breakup. I didn't say baby, but the alleged no, baby. No, I said alleged break. Yeah. I said alleged baby. Um.
1: I don't think the breaks up a breakup is alleged. I think the breakup I is I said breakup bet. for
2: certain. the baby's alleged.
1: I said bet. Maybe you should make a bet. Yeah.
2: Well, there's no bet. There's bet. We both agree that the bills oh, are going to suck this year.
1: <laughs> no, not suck. They're not going to suck. I wish, but they're not going to suck. Uh, gonna I like wish bad. I could bet the don't like in craps. Raiders will have a game in Buffalo, by the way. Yeah, because it was going to be in. We thought it might be in London. It's right. not. It's going to be in Buffalo. Yeah,
2: so in Buffalo. So you'll enjoy that. You'll get to go home.
1: I'm, I'm not. I'm not considering Buffalo home. <laughs> I refuse to do that.
2: You'll get to go back to see some of your family.
1: I will see some family for sure. they will be. Will you? Will you try to excited. track I'll down? Some,
2: will you try to track down Brittany?
1: Uh, yeah. Me, uh, there, there is no chance she's staying in Buffalo. Zero. Are you joking? Well, she might be there. We should be. We should it reference this. You We're referring to Josh Allen's girlfriend, who is now his ex-girlfriend because he allegedly had a baby with a bartender at a local bar, uh, maybe, and that's all alleged. Maybe I should. know Justin's coming in today. It's alleged. Okay, forget but no. About for for the answer bartender. to that, Brittany is not staying in Buffalo or Hamburg or Orchard Park. Like it's not happening.
2: Go find the bartender. That's the key.
1: Of course. Well, I have. <laughs> trust me. I have some sources on the hunt right now. I think we're actually close to doing that. You're planning out your your trip already. We'll find out. That will be my investigative report along the way. And uh, our friend uh, Chris at Naked City, his new spot, uh, we'll uh, be able to go check that out, which is very exciting. It'll be open. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, We'll check that out. But the schedule will be up tomorrow. Again, we'll give you some of the other games that have trickled out throughout today, some more that will come out in the morning. Then 5 o'clock tomorrow uh, will be the entire Uh, release of the schedule and we'll be live on the air when that happens so you can make sure you are tuned in here we'll come back though big game for the vegas golden knights tonight we'll talk to danny webster covers the team for the sun let's find out what's the keys for the golden knights keep it locked right here cofield and company will return in minutes on espn las vegas cofield and company back here on this wednesday getting you set VGK coming up later tonight in just a few hours. The Golden Knights game four against the Edmonton Oilers on the road up in Canada. Always a difficult spot because the goal, just like it was for you know the teams that have to start the series on the road, the goal for the Golden Knights when they go up there is, hey, win one of two. And then when you win the first one, there is a tendency to have a little bit of lack of motivation in the second one, while the home team, Edmonton, will be obviously driven to bounce back from what was a very disappointing effort uh, in Game 3. So a tough spot for the Golden Knights, who also have to deal with Aiden Hill starting this time, which is a little bit more difficult difficult assignment than coming in without having to think about it for 24 hours and not sleep. Uh, so we'll see how they're able to bounce back. We'll try to find out what some of the keys to the game are, in the opinion of Danny Webster, who follows this team very closely, covers the Golden Knights for the Las Vegas Sun. How you doing, sir? What's going on, guys? Good to hear from you. You too. Uh, big one tonight, I guess. First off, how different do you think it is for Aiden Hill having to think about this for a couple days and be the starter as opposed to just kind of jumping in without having to think about it after an injury in the, in the last game?
0: So I think it's twofold. I think first, given the fact that he's got a day to think about it, I think for the Oilers it gives them an extra bit of time to scout what they did and did not do in Game 3, and it didn't look like that Aiden Hill saw many dangerous chances when he got into the game, which kind of surprised me, but I think that's more to the credit of what Vegas did in terms of keeping them to the outside and dominating at 5-on-5. But as far as Aiden Hill goes, this is a spot he's been in before. Uh, When he came in after the All-Star break, when Logan Thompson went down, uh, that was Hill's best. Stretch of hockey, I think, in his career, and he he supplemented it with wins against uh, Tampa. Did it against uh, what was it? Florida, Carolina. That three game stretch before he got hurt again, uh, I think, really sparked him. And there was that, and there was that stretch where people thought if they were going to figure out who's going to start Game One of the playoffs, it was going to be Aiden Hill, so long as he stood, stayed healthy. So this is a familiar spot for him as far as coming in as the guy that they are relying on to get a couple of big wins here. And the way that he played before he got hurt uh, in early March, I think indicates that he's definitely ready for this moment. It's going to be obviously his first playoff start. So a lot of, uh, a lot of pressure hockey for him, but I think it's if, if given the fact of what we've seen from him this year, he's definitely up to the task for this one.
2: That said, as much as he has a chance to now study, the Oilers who are caught sort of off guard when they bring him in, not knowing tendencies, they prepare for how a goaltender slides across the crease, gets set, goes down in the butterfly, whatever it is that they do. With them being able to watch film, them being able to see how the Golden Knights play in front of Hill because they played in front of six goaltenders, when they have they've now had time too to adjust. What do does the Golden Knights defenders and the guy and the for the people playing in front of him? How are they going to have to adjust in preparation for this as well?
0: Well, I think when it comes to how the Golden Knights are going to defend them, it's going to they, they understand the pushback is coming. Much like they understood that the pushback was coming in Game Two, and and you know the the case can be made either way. Does the pushback happen if they don't commit those early penalties? in the first period, and Edmonton goes up 2 nothing on two power play goals and then adds two more later on. The Golden Knights played the way that they need to play the rest of the series if they're going to beat the Oilers, which is keep the game at 5-on-5 and do not give themselves or even the goaltender in that instance uh, a lot of power plays to seek because if you let Edmonton get going on the power play and they start to feel good about their game and they feel like that they can score at any rate, then it's going to put the Golden Knights in a bind. The fact that they were able to weather the storm a little bit after giving up that first goal, what, two fifteen into the game in game three, the fact that they were able to stick to their game plan, play a disciplined game, not allow Edmonton, I believe in better terms, to punk them because of how they tried to get in their heads in game two and, of course, Evander Kane doing his antics, in game three, they didn't allow that to happen. So they stayed out of the box and they played a very disciplined game. It's in order for Vegas to have a decent game tonight, they're going to have to play the same way, which of course is going to be tough because Edmonton has had 24, 36 hours to stew over this as well. And they're going to be coming out playing a much more aggressive game than what I, what they did in game three.
1: So, Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun joining us, uh, breaking down the Golden Knights series up in Edmonton Game 4 coming up tonight uh, at 7 o'clock. The the Golden Knights did play a a different style game. It was very impressive what they did defensively. What was your take on what they did from a strategic uh, a coaching standpoint and just defensively to stay so sound and really limit what Edmonton wanted to do, especially when you're playing on the road and it makes it a little bit tougher?
0: Yeah, the first five to ten minutes of that game were really key because like we talked about the, the, the penalties that Vegas committed in games one and two happened within the first five minutes of the game. And when that happened and Edmonton started scoring that Vegas had to kind of come back and, you know, settle the game down in their own way, especially in game one and game, in game three, the fact that they weren't able to get into the box, I think allowed them to dictate the pace at five on five. And, th- and that's really been the key, For the Oilers, even dating back to the first round against the Kings, where you're looking at this team from a five-on-five perspective, and you're wondering how in the world are they not able to score more than one goal at five-on-five. And I think that's where the Golden Knights, where they've been good at all year, is relying on the five-man unit to keep teams to the outside, not allow too many slot chances, which they've been very good at all year. And they stuck to that and they played that way in game three, which allowed them to take that early 2-1 lead going into the first intermission and then it just snowballed from there. So their game plan is if you keep the speed guys to the outside, which they did very well uh, in game three, and you allow them to try try and force their way into the middle of the ice where you're going to have a lot of bodies in front and you're going to take away any of the backdoor chances – that that was huge for Vegas in Game 3, and if they can do that again tonight, their, their chances of taking a 3-1 series lead back home for Friday is going to be huge.
1: It would it would seem if you're going to be very sound defensively, that probably would involve being very physical and trying to intimidate a team, but they really were able to do that and stay out of the penalty box. So I guess how do you kind of make, make sure you get a body on somebody and, and stay physical with them and not let them get free but also not get into the box?
0: Yeah, I, I think they learned that lesson in game one of the Winnipeg series they tried to play that kind of a game and it didn't work they tried to be the more physical team they tried to out hit Winnipeg and when they realized that they could not actually do it at a consistent level whereas to also impose their will and do so in the offensive end that allowed Winnipeg to stay in the game long enough and then two quick goals after that and they ran away with game one I think after that game they learned you don't need to be the physical team as far as laying the most checks, trying to intimidate the other team. I think if you're able to win your battles in the forechecking checking department, get pucks in deep, win those battles in the corners, you're gonna be able to impose your will physically that way. And if you have tighter sticks as well, you're risking you're risking the chance of not having a high stick penalty called against you, which is what they did in game two. So if you're if the Golden Knights are able to keep moving their feet and they're able to win those four checking battles and they're able to you know, win the battles in the corners in the offensive zone and regain possession. That's how you can be a physical team. You don't necessarily need to be the team laying the checks in the defensive zone. All you have to do is play sound defensively and trust your instincts and in that you're going to get guys that are going to block shots and get sticks on pucks. And that's going to ultimately help you uh, win that battle.
2: Danny Webster from the Las Vegas Sun covers the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so, Yuri Patara... He's called up for the emergency role. It'll be Aiden Hill, Jonathan Quick, and then Patera. Safe to say, Bressois is likely done.
0: Yeah, that rough go for LeBron Brassois. It just worked his way back. It was looking like probably the best goalie on this roster when he came back. And, you know, just to go down in a non contact way, it's just an awful situation for him. But, you know, I, I think the fact that the Golden Knights have been through this enough this year to the point where they eventually had to play Yuri Patera for two starts this year and won both of them, uh, I think bodes well for the Golden Knights, knowing that they can play well no matter which goalies in front of them. And now, you know, obviously it's a big moment for Aiden Hill uh, in his first playoff start. But, you know, the, like I said, the way that he's been playing, uh, the way he was playing when he came back from the All-Star break, and for that first month after Logan Thompson went down, I, I think this team has a pretty fair amount of confidence that he can come in and deliver a solid performance for him.
1: How, how big was it? I mean, it didn't seem like a glaring thing, but it kind of was. Uh, no defenseman had scored a goal for the Golden Knights, and that – you know, you, you need those contributions for any team, but especially a team that relies on its depth the way that the Golden Knights do, and the team that has so much talent on the blue line, they finally get off the schneid, and it's Zach Whitecloud that does it, yeah. uh, strangely enough. So how big was that for them, and, and how they how can they continue that?
0: It was very big for them, and, and I think probably the unlikeliest source to score that first goal was Zach Whitecloud, and, and did so in a way that you would think a Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo – uh, would score that goal with a with a snipe in the top right corner. So that that was definitely uh, good for him. I think it was his first playoff goal in the last 20 playoff games. So it's been a while since he's even seen uh, the score sheet in that aspect, too. I, I think with Alex Petrangelo, he is someone that I think is doing so much already at both ends of the ice to where you don't necessarily need him to get on the scoreboard. I think the fact that he's been the workhorse for that blue line Uh, I think has done wonders for them. Uh, Shea Theodore has been a little up and down. Obviously, he came back uh, before the end of the regular season. I'm not sure if he's fully back to 100%. I mean, mean, no one I think is 100% at this point in this time of the year. But with Shea Theodore, I think that he's probably still battling something. He just hasn't looked like himself. And I think the the first goal uh, from Edmonton in Game 3, I think, kind of proved that. Um, I, I do think that if the Golden Knights are able to get back to Vegas with a 3-1 lead and have a chance to close this one out, the rest is going to be good for those guys, especially ones where you would expect them to have a little bit more of an offensive I And I think that if they are able to get that rest and get Shea Theodore a little bit more rest, going into a possible Western Conference final, I think that's going to do wonders. So I don't think it's something too alarming to think about, but the fact that they've gotten so much depth up front with, I think, eight forwards now uh, scoring a goal for this team, I, I think is uh, I think is good enough to at least carry them a little bit further if they're not getting the blue line scoring.
2: Danny Webster joining us, Las Vegas Sun. Danny, we appreciate it. Before we let you get out of here, will you be buying chicken after 6.30?
0: Uh, I will be buying chicken at six twenty nine. Thanks to you, uh, with that with that advice, I, I got a score a sweet deal on that on that rotisserie chicken yesterday. It was, a, it was an amazing idea. All
2: right, we're gonna we're gonna break it down and we'll we'll let the mm-hmm. listeners. Oh, what is happening? We'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll find out, Adam. do well, we'll fill it in on the way back. Danny, thanks for
1: joining us. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Danny Webster, check out his coverage in the sun. I I. Have no idea. I guess we'll talk about chicken soon. That's a thing. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield
3: and at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Or at ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Oh, I thought we were going to get some uh, Chance the Rapper doing some Nelly. How did you not? I thought we were going to get there. That, that was a Chance song in the background. I know, but I thought we were going to get the actual <laughs> song that he was talking about in the in the clip jesus you blew it oh boy oh i blew it yeah,
0: yeah. you guys are
1: all for right willie too you R- guys are over for two on chance R- e re3 uh yes that was willie yesterday identifying chance the rapper as chance three because he rocks three on his clothes, by the way clothes that's
0: the vast production crew that that screwed that up not i
1: sure that's correct uh yeah that was a, a good moment i first of all I want to credit myself for knowing what he was talking about. They're somehow translating Willie speak into actual parlance. Um last then we I got lost last time though. Uh just before the break are you un, are you low key discussing chicken deals on the air? Yeah. What is going we're on? We're hustling chicken. So Smith's I, didn't I was did not say night. the name of the store, but okay, go ahead. Uh,
2: I don't care. We're, we're, we're definitely going to probably They're going to change the deal now. No, they won't. It's 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 policy. They have to make certain amount of chicken before they shut down the deli. So the the deli the service deli closes before the grocery store closes, but they have to put out x amount of, of chickens. They also reach a certain point in at a time in the de, in the evening where they have to discount them. So there's no leftover chicken, they don't want it sitting there. So they make their last batch between six and six twenty and they roll out about a dozen or two dozen rotisserie chickens. I would imagine it depends on the, the location. But then by six thirty, they have to have put labels, the discount labels that you see where it's clearance for the night. So at the one that I go to, the chickens are, I believe, eight ninety nine and they're discounted to two two dollars and eighty cents. So I will literally, especially if it's a perfect timing, I will roll in there at six thirty-one and grab three, four of them, eat one that night, and then I'll strip one, strip the other ones down, freeze some of it, Kahlua get some. So, so what do they market as? It's just clearance every day.
1: And, and Clearance parents have a real good marriage.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's cl- clearance. Okay. He so knew on. that reference. I thought you said- <laughs> yeah. What was that reference from? M M&M. and M. Eight Mile. Okay, good. Just making sure. It went by the three way. Three Mile. Watched it again last week. Phenomenal still. It's Always. still so good. Of course. Still such a good movie. Uh, so, so yes, that's the chicken deal. Apparently. Adam
2: did go to Cranbrook, by the
1: way. I didn't. Uh, I, Clarence did. Uh, that's a private school. Let's I, I, do the whole thing. Um, we are going to get into the A Stadium deal. Uh, not... Ooh. Not either of our commissioners. 3.38 and it's off the road. Not even our. Not either of our commissioners. We're very close. Michael Naft, Clark County Commissioner, District A, is going to join us. We're going to talk about what is going on at the stadium deal and other things going on in Southern Nevada, in Clark County. Michael Naft, County Commissioner, up next. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez. Or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. or at
3: ESPN Las Vegas
1: back here, Cofield and Company, on this Wednesday, Adam Hill, Willie Myers in for Steve Cofield. He'll be back very soon, we are sure. A lot to get into this week. We've been talking a lot about, of course, the Golden Knights, uh, what is going on with them, the NFL schedule tomorrow, but the A's are still looming over uh, what everything we do, everything we talk about, and uh, the story changes like every 10 minutes. I haven't checked uh, since the show started, I assume we're still talking about the Tropicana site, but... It's a wild, wild ride, and I think there's a lot of more twists and turns to come. We want to talk to somebody who's a little bit plugged in with the local scene, I would say, a little bit more than us, at least, us idiots on the radio. Uh, Michael Naft, county commissioner, uh, joins us, who does a great job on Twitter, too. You should follow him at Michael Naft up there and uh, follow what he's got going on. A lot of uh, very relevant, poignant things. And, uh some lighter sports takes as well up on Twitter, so we thank him for joining us, Michael. How you doing, sir?
3: I'm great. It's good to be on with you. Thank you, Adam and Willie.
1: Thank you. I I actually live about like a hundred feet from your district. I think I'm just oh, outside. Oh man, on district. the wrong side of the border. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm just on the. I'm just on the west side of I-15 at Star. I think you are on the. Your, your district's on the east side, right? Well, we could throw a baseball back and forth. <laughs> yeah, we could for sure. But I think it, it is important. Like I don't, I don't think most people actually know who a lot of their representatives are on any level. So I think it is important for people to know. So I guess first of all, just tell people kind of your general area, kind of twists and turns a little bit.
3: Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. My, the district I represent, District A, generally speaking, goes as far north as Flamingo. I go all the way south to the California Arizona border, west as far as Durango, and east as far as Eastern. So the best way to think about it is really it's the unincorporated townships of Enterprise, Spring Valley, Paradise. I go down to Searchlight and Laughlin, and then I have West Henderson. Uh, so it's kind of the southern portion of, of the strip, all of Las Vegas Boulevard south, all the way to St. Well, all the way beyond St. Rose, uh, and then kind of the rest residential areas of the, really the southwest, Anthem, um, in Henderson, in Inspirata, Seven Hills, uh, those kind of areas. I really sort of wrap the 215 uh, heading south. There you go.
1: So a lot, a lot of area for sure mm-hmm. uh, that you cover. And, and then the other thing I want to kind of just set up for us for everybody is what exactly does a county commissioner do?
3: best question i could have gotten thank you for asking that because you're right not 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 enough people do know it's it it is the most interesting job on the planet uh, because we are so hands-on in so many different areas we're at the end of the day we're your we're your local government for 2.4 million people who live in southern nevada we provide all of their regional services so things like uh, we own and operate the airports department of air aviation including harry Reid international north las vegas henderson executive we own those airports we and operate the state's busiest hospital, UMC, that's your public hospital managed and owned by the county. Uh, We do things like social services and human services and foster care and work with mental health and homeless issues. And then really important for the majority of people who live in my district, but also for a million people who live in unincorporated Clark County, and that's a lot of people who see Las Vegas on their mailing address, don't actually live in Las Vegas, including the entire Las Vegas Strip. Yep. Is in unincorporated Clark County, and for them, they don't have a county commissioner, a city councilor, and a mayor. They've got a, a county commissioner, so we're providing all of their regional services, and for them, those million people, all of their local city services, so things like police, fire, parks and recreation, public works, meaning roads. Um, that's all. Those are all the services that we provide.
2: That's what a lot of people don't realize in Southern Nevada is that. Everybody lives in Clark County, but not everybody lives in Las Vegas.
3: That's right. It's it's unique and it is confusing because of because you write Las Vegas on your mailing address, you think, oh, I live in Las, the city of Las Vegas. Uh, you don't. You live in unincorporated Clark County. Chances are, uh, and you're you know you're not serviced by the city of Las Vegas, rather by Clark County and the Clark County Commission.
2: And that being said. Uh, I believe City National Arena is in the city of Las Vegas. So it's okay to call them the Vegas Golden Knights, but the Raiders. <laughs> T Mobile. The, not the not T-Mobile, Raiders, yeah. not T Mobile, not Allegiant. Well, you got to go off their headquarters in their mailing address. Yeah, so, I fair, mean, re- in reality, about. it's the Henderson Raiders, yeah, yeah. or based on their home stadium, it would be what? Enterprise or Paradise?
3: No, you're right. It would be there, the Raiders' headquarters that are in the city of Henderson. There you go. Well, we, we
1: – We probably shouldn't pull that thread, though, too much. No, no I don't – yeah, that, that, that's a whole I – mean, we, we don't need a seven-hour show, I don't think, to, uh, to do this today. So we're talking about a lot about the A's, and we talk so much about what the state legislature's role will be with the A's. What I guess what exactly role could you guys as commissioners potentially have, and what can we do to have our voices heard about what is going on? Because I'll, I'll just tell you up front, we were okay on on this show, I think, with the money that was spent on the Raiders – But a lot of the details of the deal were very, very infuriating to us, and I don't think a lot of people read it, and I don't think a lot of people understood what was in it, and now we have felt some of the effects of that deal in terms of how it affects UNLV, how it affects Sam Boyd Stadium, how it affects a lot of different things. So like, the money is one thing this time again, but we need to make sure that we're represented in terms of how this deal comes together.
3: I think you're right. I think it is important that actions have consequences, and, and you know you, this this term "devils in the details" has been used a lot over the last couple of weeks as it relates to this conversation. But it's true. You need a little bit of daylight on this, um, particularly when you're talking about a public investment of any kind, let alone a significant public investment. Um, and the, I think it's important also to recognize some major distinctions between uh, the, the the SB1, which was the legislation that. Um, governed the, the Raiders deal, um, and what's being um, at least discussed right now with, with the Oakland A's. And those differences are there was a new revenue source to pay for the expenditures, right? It came out of the lodging tax. A portion of the lodging tax was lifted to cover the cost of that stadium. You also had... A facility that really met a, a significant need for our community you you know it 's not just the eight or hopefully ten football games which are great and and nice contributors to the economy, but it 's the forty plus other events that happen a year at Allegiant Stadium that are every single one of them events that we would otherwise not qualify for as a community i 'm talking the the max out sold out events that occur at that stadium so, so
2: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, so I so I think those are important distinctions. You got to look at what what the community is getting, um, and uh, and really evaluate what what's being asked.
2: Now, unfortunately, when you know when when the, when it was built and, and completed, the people that were against it in terms of the, the money, the that the that the allegiance that the Raiders bar basically that is on loan to the county, right? The the seven hundred plus. The hit the covid hits and there's no revenue coming in because there's no um there's no attendance concessions obviously but what I found fascinating is in that first year back by the end of the year with all the events that had taken place it was ahead of schedule on loan payments and it looked like the money that was going to be paid back how are we now a couple of years in with sort of covid not going away. It's still going to be around here and there, but it's it's no longer a, a worldwide emergency. Recently was announced. How are we now in terms of the loan, where it's at? Yeah, and, well, I, and the payments.
3: That's a great point, and, and part of what made the the. The details in that deal, so important, were some of the coverages that were that were laid out, and that was I give credit. I wasn't at the county at the time uh, that 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 uh, Senate Bill One was being uh, voted on, um, but the county did a really effective job making sure that their interests were heard and that they weren't at the end of the day, um, you know, the first line of defense against uh, a default or an ability to pay, and that there were provisions in place to protect uh, to protect finances of the county and really that's you know you ask what i do and what, what's important to me and at the end of the day my most significant role is to have fiduciary responsibility over uh over the budget and making sure that we're protecting uh county taxpayers is kind of the most paramount concern that i have and I, i'm sure all of my colleagues have as well in this
1: so I, I i'll go back a little bit because i know i asked you like a very detailed question and there was a lot to get into so just I guess in terms of this, how can we make sure? I mean, obviously we trust people that we put into office; that's why we vote for them. But how can we make sure our voices are heard on this as it goes along? Cause I do feel like I do feel like we haven't. I feel like everything is kind of done. Once they get a bill, they're going to sign it at the state level. We need to make sure our voices are heard at some point. So I know you and others will make sure that our interests are represented, but how can we all make sure that we're heard? Yeah, well, and
3: to get back to your initial question, what exactly our role in is, role meaning the county is in this, is making sure that something that passes doesn't do undue harm to the county. And so working with our colleagues in the legislature, making sure that they understand clearly what our position is and really that we understand what theirs is, but also there are a couple ways the legislation can be crafted. It could either be enabling, meaning it it allows for the local jurisdiction to adopt um, a tourism improvement or stadium improvement district, or it could compel the local jurisdiction to take that action. Um, So I think it's important that, you know, if you're looking at preserving the public's right to um, have input, that the more input the better, then, you know, you might look at something that's, uh, that's more enabling uh, rather than compels uh, the county to take that action.
1: Would having to watch A's baseball be doing harm to the county? <laughs> no no comment. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I, 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 that's good. That's the right answer to that. Um, so, I guess what what are the next steps as far as as far as you're concerned? What are what are the next steps in this? What are we what should we be watching for?
3: Well, I think you heard Speaker Yeager say a few probably a week ago. At this point, that. The clock's ticking, right? You the legislative session in Nevada only runs so long. You've got, uh, you, you've got a, you know, if they, if there's an expectation that there's going to be legislative language that can be supported and a bill um, drafted, it's got to be dropped pretty soon here. Um, so I think that's really the the next step to watch for is see what what uh, hit, what legislation. In- Exactly, looks like how it's crafted and worded, and what the details are of that. Uh, and then certainly the the at least to the extent that I've controlled the county is not going to be shy or bashful about weighing in on the impact, um, both good and bad. Because look, I, I I'm about as big of champion of the sports economy here as anyone. I, I I can't believe growing up here that we now you know in your introduction alone you talked about just tonight you've got a baseball game and a, a hockey playoff game. I mean how incredible is that for people like me who grew up here and couldn't even imagine professional sports um being what it is today. And now it's quickly becoming a significant um, segment of our economy here. So I, I think that's great, but it's got to be done the right way and the responsible way with some daylight and a clear understanding of what, what the taxpayers are getting into and what the benefits are.
1: Uh, I hate to do this to you, but we only have a minute left, so I'll throw just out there whatever, whatever you want to say uh, to the listeners in terms of what you got coming up. But also I do want to thank you because I know one of the issues that is very dear to you that you push a lot on social media is uh, to stop drunk driving as much as we possibly can. So that's a very important important issue to I think a lot of us here. Uh, So thank you for doing that. And uh, whatever you want to say, you got a minute.
3: I'll take it. I, I'll use it to piggyback off that conversation because, you know, uh, no doubt the more activity that we have here, the more people that are coming here, the more of us are going out for social evenings, watching events, uh, the more likely it is that, that the numbers of fatalities on our roadway increases It's uh, unacceptable levels. And I really, we have a campaign at the county called uh, Decide to Ride. And what that's all about is making sure that you make a plan before you go out. So before you go out to the night's game, make sure that you understand Understand how you're getting home if you're gonna even even if there's a shot of having a couple drinks make sure you've made a plan other than driving yourself home to get there and uh, you know you can learn more visiting the county's website and learning more about the side to ride campaign but I, I'm, I appreciate you saying that and thanks for the opportunity thanks.